the first time I was looking for anyone who would say yes. Because <laughs> I was really fearful when I first came into the program. So it was the asking that was the most difficult, not picking. I, I was just looking for someone who had a bit of experience in the program, and if I asked them to be my sponsor, would say yes. So I made it through that fear really quickly because the first person I asked to be my sponsor said no. Welcome to episode 25 of The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. At my home group we say in this program we encourage sponsorship. Well what does that mean? What is a sponsor? Why would you want one? How can a sponsor help you? How do you get a sponsor? Well, let's talk about that. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of sponsorship. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Kelly. How are you today, Kelly? I'm great, Spencer. Thanks. And next to Kelly is our special guest host, Lynn. How are you today, Lynn? I'm great, Spencer. Thanks for the invitation today. Oh, you're welcome. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, sponsorship. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. We have a reading uh, to to start our show. This is from uh, our daily reader, Courage to Change. One day, I received a call from a newcomer to Al-Anon. We chatted for a while, and then he asked if I would consider being his sponsor. I was shocked. I never expected anyone to ask me. I felt deeply humbled and ecstatically grateful at the same time. But had I grown sufficiently to give? Could I be there for someone else without losing myself? Fear took over for a minute, but then I remembered that he was not asking me to be his savior, only his helper, whose example and experience might lead him to his own recovery. I know that my higher power brings people into my life who can help me to grow. So I said a quick prayer, asking to be worthy, and answered that I would be honored to be his sponsor. As I said, my name is Spencer, and let's start with our understanding of what sponsorship is. Lynn, what's your understanding of sponsorship? Well, for me, Spencer, sponsorship is finding someone in the program who is willing to work with me in working the steps of the program, in better understanding the literature of the program, and most importantly, in holding me accountable for my actions and my attitudes, which in my life is just about the only things I control. Thanks, Lynn. Kelly? Um, Well, I think the definition has definitely changed over time, but um, for me, especially in the beginning, it was somebody that could help me understand the program and how it worked. Um, while at the same time being somebody who knows my whole story so that if I come up against any kind of major issues, you know, I don't have to spend three hours explaining my life story and then get to talk about my issue. You know, they already know the backstory, so I can just delve into the problem and get to the solution a little bit quicker. Thanks. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to, to what the two of you said, except uh, one of the things that, that I find really important in having a sponsor um, is that it's somebody who's not me. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's for me, at this point in my program, um, I mean, somebody with, with good experience in the program who can help me apply the program principles to my life, 
but really somebody who's outside my head because um, uh, who won't co-sign my bullshit. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But that's not, you know, that's not what I looked for when I was new in the program. I looked for somebody who um, I could relate to their story. I looked for somebody who, when they talked in meetings, it sounded like they were, you know, talking to me. I could pick that up and say, oh, I can use that. Because, you know, when I came in, I was really focused on the situation with the active alcoholic in my life. And so I knew that uh, I was going to be having a lot of questions about how to deal with that. And I wanted somebody who had been in that position who could uh, give me the benefit of their own experience, in, uh, you know, which may or may not have been really the right thing for me to do, but at least it was, it was something um, that wasn't me. And I, and I thought, well, you know, somebody who's like dealing with their child drinking or whatever, I mean, that they, they just wouldn't relate to my situation. And, and what I realized as I've, as I worked in the program is that that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of it, but a lot of it is really about the program and not about the alcoholic. And, and as we, as we are in the program longer, we realize that more and more of it's about us and less and less of it's about the other people in our lives. Very quick around here. Everybody's got a sponsor, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a sponsor who has a sponsor. <laughs> a sponsor who has a sponsor, indeed. And uh, so I talked a little bit about how I went about picking my first sponsor. But how do you decide when it when you need to be, you know, maybe changing sponsors or maybe the first time you, you um, ask somebody to be your sponsor? What were you looking for, Lynn? That's, uh, that's a really good question, Spencer. I think uh, the first time I was looking for anyone who would say yes. Because <laughs> I was really fearful when I first came into the program. So it was the asking that was the most difficult, not picking. I I was just looking for someone who had a bit of experience in the program. And if I asked them to be my sponsor would say yes. So I made it through that fear really quickly because the first person I asked to be my sponsor said no. Uh, She said that uh, she was a, a member of the program because she had grown up with alcoholism. She wasn't married to an alcoholic, which was uh, and continues to be uh, my qualifier, my main qualifier. Uh, so uh, she made some suggestions, though, of some other people who might be good sponsors, and I took her up on one of those suggestions, and that was my first sponsor. And it again, it was more about finding somebody with a bit of experience who would just tell me what to do. I also didn't get a sponsor until I was ready to move pretty rapidly for the through the first three steps because I'd been doing that step one, two, three waltz for a long time. (laughs) And I was really wanting to write an inventory. And so I didn't think that was something I should do on my own. And, uh, and I was looking for somebody who would guide me through that process. What did I look for? Um, well, I, I think when I first started coming to meetings, I heard a lot of people say that you should look for someone who has what you want or who has the traits that you're looking to to gain out of working the program. Mm-hmm. And for me also, it was really important to pick someone with a personality that was unlike anyone from my past. Um, you know, in my family of origin, they have some pretty specific personalities that made me feel like, um, like sharing was not an option that it was not okay to be open and honest. And so I was looking for someone who was unlike all of those people, somebody who was really compassionate and seemed like they were a really good listener and who seemed really patient, like they weren't going to get upset with me if I didn't get something right away. Um, so that was what I looked for initially. 
And then I made a switch a couple months ago to a new sponsor um, because in the duration of the time that I've been in the program, I've changed enough to the point where I think that just wasn't, um, wasn't working for me anymore. So this time around, I needed to find somebody who was going to be able to hold me accountable and who wasn't going to be afraid to tell me like it was, like it is, you know? Um, and so I, I mean, I feel like that was something that I had to be honest with myself about to recognize that I had changed to the point where what I was or wasn't getting wasn't working anymore. And sometimes I think that's really hard for people. I, um, I have a sponsee that we've been having an extremely difficult time finding time to get together lately. And lately, it's been like a year and a half. Um, and I've suggested to her several times that maybe she needs to find another sponsor. You know, that what, that what we have going on, to me, doesn't seem like it's working for her. And maybe that's me, you know, inserting my will or making decisions for her because she keeps saying she doesn't want to switch. But, um, yeah, I think for me, I could have stuck it out, but I just wasn't getting what I needed. So I had to make a change. You know, um, what I... I uh sit in, uh, we have a newcomers meeting after one of the meetings I go to that, that we invite um, people who are new to the program to come because they have an opportunity to engage in a, in a dialogue rather than, um, you know, the, the unanswered sharing that is normal in the meeting. And uh, they can ask questions. And one of the questions that, that frequently comes up in that meeting is, so how do I find a sponsor? <laughs> how do I find a sponsor? And, uh, you know, the answer that I give is something like, well, come to meetings listen to people, and when you hear somebody that, you know, as you said, Kelly, has what you want, mm -hmm. or as was in my case also, uh, maybe is coming from more or less the same place that I was coming from uh, in terms of the relationship with the, the alcoholic in my life, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's struggling with, uh, you know, a teenage child who's uh, uh, having problems with alcohol and drugs might want will feel probably that they want to find somebody who's been in that place so that they, because they might feel that those, those problems are, are unique, um, which to some extent they are. Um, but, um, you know, so that's sort of the answer that I give. Look for somebody that has what you want. Look for somebody who's maybe in the same situation that you're in. And uh, I wonder if you guys have anything to add to that because it always feels sort of insufficient. <laughs> so I, one of the first things I tell somebody who asks me about finding a sponsor is that once they find someone they think will be a good sponsor, this is not a permanent relationship. Right. It's, it's your sponsor for as long as that's working for you and that you can take responsibility for that choice. So, you know, for me, I, I've been in the program now 23 years, which is fairly unbelievable. Um, that's a really long time. And so as time has progressed, uh, the sponsorship piece has gotten for me a little bit more challenging because I'm an old timer in the meetings. So when somebody new comes in and I tell them I've been there 23 years, they, 
Uh, they often uh, have a, a kind of a look on their face like, really, you're still coming after 23 years? <laughs> of course, I, I don't go to meetings so much anymore because I have big problems to solve at home or to deal with at home, but I go because that's how I stay serene. This is the what guides my life, and I go to stay well, not to get well. Mm -hmm. So looking, you know, seeking out a sponsor uh, as time goes on has at times been a really big challenge. And for me, having a sponsor is really, really important. So having a sponsor where it's not working out so well means that I have to put some energy into finding another sponsor before I uh, sort of sever that sponsorship relationship, which for a codependent is really hard to do. Because usually you like the people who you pick to be your sponsor. And then when it comes time to really move on and you you, you know that you need to do something differently, it's important to be direct. And in, in, in the last sponsorship relationship that, that I broke up, it took me six months. I mean, I had a new sponsor for about six months before I let the old sponsor know that I had this new sponsor. <laughs> and this is somebody, you know, I'm somebody with a lot of recovery, but it just is still very difficult for me to say, say to somebody, you know, it's been a great relationship. I appreciate the time you've spent with me and I'm just ready to move on. Uh, so what I've needed at different times, uh, much like what Kelly said, uh, at the front end, it was just anybody who would <laughs> sponsor me. If they said yes, I thought I'd won the battle. Uh, <laughs> and it was a start because I'd done it. I'd asked somebody to be my sponsor. I had a sponsor or somebody to call and uh, not sort of dump my day-to-day -day stuff on the table at a meeting, but to deal with it in that sponsor relationship, which is uh, at times part of that relationship. Now what my needs are, are really quite different, and uh, I actually have a sponsor who's a long-distance sponsor who I see at a conference once a year and communicate with daily uh, by texting. So, like, the world is different than it used to be. You know, there were no texting options when I first came into the, <laughs> the program. And now uh, this particular sponsor, sponsee relationship has been probably the best I've had in a very long time. And I think it's because she started out, when I, when I asked her, and I've known her for most of my recovery, so uh, she's got about one more year than me, I think maybe two. And, uh, and when I asked her, she said, how may I serve you? And I was so taken aback that I was like dead silent for, a, you know, a good chunk of time. It felt like a good chunk of time. And really what was going on was no, no sponsor had ever asked that. And I had never asked that of a person who was asking me to sponsor them. And so in contemplating that, uh, I, I did know, I knew the answer to that I was, I, the answer to that was I needed accountability and that uh, I hadn't had a sponsor-sponsee relationship in which the accountability was at a high level, and I felt like that was what I needed was to recommit to some sort of daily accountability where I knew I would be impacted no matter how uh, committed I was to whatever I was saying if it was on the phone uh, or however that relationship was set up on a daily basis. And she said, okay, uh, you know, what else? And I said, well, I think my spiritual practice needs to be a daily spiritual practice. And sometimes I forget and I, I just need some way to do that and do it every day. And she said, okay, so I want you to recite the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer. And these are out of uh, the big book of AA, actually. Um, and they're beautiful prayers. And she said, I want, you, I want you to say those prayers every morning or at least sometime during the day and and think through a gratitude that you have that day. And then just text me and tell me you did it. And uh, the first week I was doing that, you know, I didn't 
do seven for seven because it, I have to, you know, I had to create a new habit because getting on my phone and texting every single day is that's habitual, right? But I am, uh, it's pretty habit forming. And I, and I must say that, uh, I think we've spoken on the phone maybe four times in the last six or eight months, but we text every day and I get that feedback every day. And as I have mentioned many times in meetings, it's not so much the contents of the prayer or even the exercise of being grateful, because that's one that I have done over the last 23 years pretty consistently. It's making the commitment to do it every day and then just taking the action. It's not the contents, it's the actual action that seems to be making a really big difference for me. So that has worked great. And with every sponsor that, I, that I've had, I've picked up, uh, they teach me how to be a better sponsor. Mm. Or sometimes they teach me something I don't want to do. Uh, that's happened too. Um, but, but I have, uh, I have had many wonderful sponsors. Some of them really, you know, were early, early Allen honors. Uh, I mean, 23 years and then, you know, maybe tack on another 23 years to that and you're somewhere near, near, you know, mm-hmm. the beginning group. They may be some years in. So so I have stood on the shoulders of people who have stood on the shoulders of, of people who founded this program, and that is how it works. It's And then people stand on my shoulders, and they get that same lineage. So uh, that pay-it-forward process is very, very powerful. Kelly? Um, well, something that uh, I try to suggest, especially when – newcomers or fairly new people to the program are asking me, how do I get a sponsor? What's the process for this? Something that was suggested to me when I first came around was, um, and this isn't going to apply to everyone because I know that all meetings are different, but the main meeting that I went to when I first started coming regularly has about 80 members a week. And so we have a phone list on the literature table of all the regular members And then there's also an indicator on the phone list for people who are willing to be a sponsor. And so when I first started coming, someone gave me the phone list and said, bring this with you to the meeting. And as people are going around and sharing, if you hear someone share something that you like or that resonates with you, put a little mark next to their name and keep track of all those people as kind of your little arsenal of people to call. And then you can start by just making just a phone call, you know, because as Lynn mentioned, it is really scary (laughs) to get up the courage to ask someone to be your sponsor because there is that fear of rejection and the the what ifs that go through your head. Um, So to start with just a phone call to just call someone in a moment of panic, or just when I'm feeling down or whatever, was a little bit easier to do in the beginning. And then I could sort of get a feel for how different people were on a personal level when they answered my phone calls. And so through that, I could kind of filter down from, you know, this broad list and kind of narrow it down a little bit to, you know, two or three final candidates, if you will. And then, um, and then I just, you know, picked one of those that just felt right, I guess. I just had to mm-hmm. make a decision. And that's a, that's a really good point about, and, and I do, um, often say that to people, you know, get the phone list and, and just call people. Um, you know, you don't have to jump right into the sponsor question if, if you don't, if you don't feel you need to right, right away. You can, you can, you can call people. 
uh, and, and like you say, get a feel for them, for how you might relate with them. Uh, and, uh, and we also uh, sometimes, uh, you know, somebody will be a temporary sponsor. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to, maybe either one person or the other is not, not ready to make a full commitment, you can say, well, you can be a temporary sponsor. And, uh, you know, I've done that for people. Um, a friend of mine moved across the country, and and uh, I acted as temporary sponsor till they found somebody uh, out in Seattle where they had moved to, and uh, and that can help lessen the the sort of fear of of rejection, fear of commitment, because it's not as big a commitment. But it's also, like you said, it's not a marriage. It it doesn't take you know any legal maneuvering or paperwork or anything to dissolve it if it's not working, and uh, um, I think that's important too. I have had it happen kind of under um, a little bit strange, stranger circumstances, too. I know the first sponsee that I got was someone who had asked my sponsor to be their sponsor. And she said, I, I have too many sponsees right now. I'm really busy. I, I don't feel that I can make that commitment to you. And then she promptly steered her over to me at the meeting and said, but Kelly would be happy to be your sponsor. And what did Kelly think at that moment? Really, honestly, I think I was okay with it because we had been having conversations for a couple weeks prior to that on whether or not I felt ready and how would I go about getting a sponsee when I was ready. And so it it kind of sort of fell into place like that. But And I did that recently to one of my sponsees. There was someone that had asked me, and I have quite a few sponsees right now. And at one point, they were all calling me very regularly and wanting to get together. And so I I didn't feel like I could take on another one. So I did the same thing. I've steered her over, and I said, this woman is amazing. She's going to be a great sponsor for you, and they're still together. So match made in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah lynn talked about how she uses her sponsor very differently now Mm. and i wondered how has your relationship with your sponsor and the way in which um you use your sponsor's guidance um how has that changed uh, in the time you've been in the program it's definitely changed a lot i mean when i first started coming i needed uh i needed a shoulder to complain on um (laughs) I wasn't a big crier, so I just needed someone to listen to me complain about my alcoholic. And at that point, I needed somebody face-to-face. I needed a face-to-face get-together. And so we had a a once-a-week regular meeting, same time every week, same place. And we would get together and do step work or just talk, depending on where I was at. Um, During the fourth step period, it was a lot more talking than step working. But listen to the fourth step episode. Um, but now, you know, my life has changed a lot too. I mean, at that point, my job was not as strenuous as it is now. I had a lot more free time. So it was easy for me to stop in the middle of the day once a week and go sit down with her. Now I don't have as much free time. Um, and, and that was another reason that I needed to change sponsors is that I'm traveling a lot more. And so I need somebody that I can send a text or an email to that I know is you know, electronically savvy and can, can check those forms of uh, communication and get back to me. And, you know, the first sponsor, it just wasn't working with that. And so I needed to look for somebody that I knew when I was on the road and had a freak out moment that I could get a response within, you know, mm-hmm. a reasonable amount of time. So, and, and you're um, also like, you were actively working the steps at the beginning and um, is that, did, has that changed? <laughs> no, 
because I I have some sponsees that keep me on my toes, um, <laughs> working the traditions right now, and have been thinking about picking up another copy of the Blueprint. I've been hearing a lot about the fourth step in meetings lately, and so I'm kind of getting that little voice in the back of my head that's saying, it's been a while, and you have a new sponsor now, so maybe now is a good time to do another fourth step, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, I know when I was um, when I was new in the program, I mean, I used my sponsor for crisis intervention, and like Lynn said, call me on my bullshit. Um, and I remember one time, this one still sticks in my head, that my loved one had come home recently from uh, long-term treatment, and uh, I kind of felt like she was eating too much ice cream. <laughs> you know, a quart of ice cream in the evening is just not normal, right? Um, just like, you know, three liters of wine in an evening is not normal. Okay. It was kind of substitution there. <laughs> and I said something to, uh, to my loved one about it and, and probably not in a real loving way, I'm sure. And what she said was call your sponsor. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so I called my sponsor and my sponsor said, she's right. Get it. You, you know, it's her issue. You expressed your opinion now, butt out. And, uh, and so I did. <laughs> As hard as it was, as hard as it was to not say anything and and try not to say anything non-verbally either. But, um, so that was the sort of thing that, that I used my sponsor for at the beginning. Because when I was working the steps, I was working the steps with a group. And there was a lot of, you know, back and forth in the group. We, we were working um, in this book called uh, Paths to Recovery, which has a set of questions for every step. And we would write out our answers to the questions and then talk about them uh, in a weekly meeting. So that kind of substituted for that sponsor role in my life at that time. And then later on, um, I started taking on sponsees and I ended up picking up a bunch of, uh, a bunch, several men who were uh, what we call double winners. They were also in, in AA. A number of them came to al because of issues with men they were sponsoring in AA that they were having trouble uh, detaching from you know, their sponsee's uh, recovery or lack of recovery. And I felt at that point like I needed somebody who had that sort of uh, both program uh, knowledge. Mm -hmm. And and so um, I asked asked another guy to be my sponsor. And, uh, you know, he said, okay, but we're going to start back at step one. So I get to know you and, and we get to know each other. And so I started doing that. And uh, I was in the middle of working my step four, and, and he graduated and moved out of the country, <laughs> uh, which made, uh, certainly made face-to-face meetings somewhat difficult. And, uh, and, and I knew this was coming, so I, you know, I looked around the rooms again and said, okay, dang, I just did this like a year ago, now i got to do it again. <laughs> and uh, again, I found somebody who, when he talked, it felt like you know wisdom was coming out of his 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 mouth and that and and that we could relate to each other and uh, you know the second guy when I asked him uh, if he would be my sponsor he said well I need to check with my sponsor first and I thought you know hey that's a pretty healthy reaction right mm-hmm. of course that left me hanging for a week <laughs> <laughs> is he going to say yes is he going to say yes oh my god <laughs> no instant gratification Spencer no instant gratification and so I was when when I asked uh, my current sponsor um, if he would be my sponsor because. I needed to switch, and and I was expecting that same sort of, well, you know, let me think about it. And he said yes right away, and I was like, whoa, wait. <laughs> you know, I almost felt out of off balance. Like, I was, I, I felt I was going to have to lean on it a little bit, and 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 there was nothing to lean on. And, uh, and again, we started back at the beginning. 
I mean, went through one, two, three pretty quickly with him. And uh, I was still in the middle of four. So uh, that was where we sort of really started. And, and then we got to step five and he was, we were working on extremely thorough step five. Uh, he wanted to go into a lot of depth on each of the little bullet points I had on my list. I thought, oh, I got this list, you know, we'll get through this in a couple hours. No, it was not taking a couple hours. He had a tragedy in his life and was really not able to focus um, to help me finish that step. And so uh, he suggested that I ask somebody else to to do step five with me, which I did. You know, so we're we're continuing. Uh, but he's somebody, again, he knows the story. Um, he knows where I am. I can call him. I can say this is what's going on right now, and, and we can talk about it. And, you know, he can talk me down from where, wherever I am. Or just, uh, you know, give me, maybe maybe say, yeah, sounds like that's that's the right thing. I mean, that happens sometimes, too. It's kind of rare, but it happens. Like like you said, it's somebody to double-check with. When when my when my instinct tells me something and, and, you know, I'm really not sure if it's right or not, because, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been probably wrong. <laughs> and now sometimes my instinct actually tells me the right thing. But, but uh, it's, it's really valuable for me to be able to have, have that person to call and double-check with. Or, um, as uh, I'll talk about, I guess, um, in the next segment, I had something happen. Uh, it, it, there was a tragedy that touched my life this, this last week, and uh, I just needed to talk. And uh, he was available for that. And, and thank goodness I have other people on my phone list, too, because mm-hmm. you know, I needed more than one person. <laughs> so on the other side, we all have also been sponsors. And uh, I have this question here that says, what has been your experience sponsoring others? It's a wide-open question. But maybe you can, maybe one of you can talk a little bit about, you know, what you have done as a sponsor, highlights, lowlights, I don't know. As with all things in my life, when I learn, I learn best by teaching others. So I wouldn't exactly call the sponsorship role teaching, but definitely coaching and guiding. And in my sponsoring others, I have a particular style, and I actually am very upfront. If someone asks me to sponsor them, I I may start asking them, you know, how may I serve you? But I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Uh, I, what I what I tell people who ask me is is that my role is to guide them through the steps and the traditions, and using the literature and using program to improve on their lives, to influence how they make decisions and choices to influence how they form their attitudes about things. And that I will, anytime they call me about a situation, be refocusing them on, well, what step, what slogan, what uh, tradition is going to help you work through this situation? And what actions are you willing to take? And what is your current attitude? And and how are you going to influence? And have you prayed today? And just all those you know, tricks in the bag of Al-Anon, Al-Anon ways to approach things, uh, running them through a series of questions uh, about how they're uh, dealing with whatever it is they're dealing with, and then saying to them, you know, and I will guide you through the steps. We'll do step work. What step are you on? And I will often, if a sponsee calls me, say, well, what step are you on? 
right now. Uh, I have quite a few sponsees. I don't keep track of my sponsees and what they do. And I tell them up front that I also will not call them if they don't call me, that it is their responsibility to call me like it's my responsibility to contact my sponsor. And I leave that responsibility to them so that the relationship is guided by them and not me. I'm not there to control. I'm not there to tell them what to do. Uh, if they ask me what I would do in a situation, I'm likely to give them an answer. Uh, that's more appropriately done in a sponsor-sponsee relationship than it is in a meeting where we really don't express uh, what we think somebody should do at a meeting. We let them share and we share. And if we have a similar story, we might relate something from a similar story and they might learn something from that experience that we shared. Uh, but in a sponsor-sponsee relationship, I tend not to give advice, but I will answer the question if they say, well, what would you do in this situation? I'll sort of tease it out and, and run it through that program tape in my head of, well, what step would help me here? What slogan would help me here? Uh, you know, you waited a week to call me. What, what did you do in the week that you waited? Is there any reason you waited? Did you go to any meetings? Uh, you know, and again, holding people accountable. The truth is in this sponsor-sponsee thing that uh, I definitely think that sponsoring provides the biggest opportunities to learn. It's not in, in having a sponsor. I have sponsors, uh, and having a sponsor is amazing. And it, it the current sponsor-sponsee relationship that I have is really, really making a big difference in my program but it's also teaching me something about being a sponsor. Like my sponsor is teaching me a lot of new stuff about being a sponsor, which I will then pass on. And the real learning gets cemented when I pass that on to somebody else. And so it's a very, very powerful experience. I know, you know, in, uh, in AA, uh, in our family, uh, we're both in recovery. My husband works a really solid AA program. And I have heard him on so many occasions say to a sponsor who's whining about how their life is going, well, how many people are you sponsoring? Because there is so much recovery that comes out of being a sponsor. And you don't have to wait for somebody to ask you. If you've come to four meetings and somebody new walks in the door, you have four more meetings worth of experience than the person who just walked in the door. Offer your phone number. Offer to be a temporary sponsor or at least to be a support to that person. Mm -hmm. And begin to reach out to people who have less experience than you do. And your program will get stronger. So that, you know, I've heard that over and over again. And I have practiced that certainly in the, in probably 15 or 20 of the 23 years. And it's very, very powerful. Uh, sponsoring people is what gives starch and content and depth to my program, uh, more than being sponsored in many, many ways. Now, there's value to both, and I don't really see myself being a sponsor without having a sponsor. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I have done it when I was in between sponsors, and it's just uncomfortable. I need that role modeling. I need somebody who's going to keep me accountable and, and, and sort of give me some strategies to be accountable so that as I'm helping people to become accountable. I, I'm doing it based on experience and not just, you know, something I've read. So uh, being a sponsor, I highly recommend it. If you're new in the program, I highly recommend handing your phone number to the newcomer who just walked through the door because just sharing what it's been like and how things have changed for you in three or four or five meetings 
will probably help that newcomer in many ways more than this 23-year veteran sharing what it was like when I first walked through the door. Because I have, I have good recall, but emotionally I'm pretty far from that experience. So we all have something. We all have something to offer others once we get to that second meeting. We we got more time in than the person who's at their first meeting. That's a it's a great perspective. Um, I don't think I thought about that, Kelly. How how is sponsoring um, helped your program? You know how are, how are you a sponsor? How do you how do you do it? We've heard how Lynn does it. <laughs> how do I sponsor? I mean, I'm definitely step work focused too. That that was what I was taught. I was taught that the solution is in the book. You know, it's not about thinking my way out of stuff or talking my way out of stuff. It's about doing the work. And so, um, much as Lynn said, I mean, it's really just about passing information down. I was at an open talk last night where. The speaker quoted another speaker, <laughs> which is basically the point of what I'm saying. But what he was quoting him was saying that he's never had an original thought in the program. Everything that he says <laughs> is just something that was passed down to him, and he's passing it on to you or his sponsee or whatever. And that's the same thing I do. I mean, it's it's all in the text, and I'm just regurgitating it, putting my own spin <laughs> on it, and adding my own experience. And so... um I also feel like that was, you know, when I came to meetings, I felt better, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere, if that makes sense. I mean, I, that makes perfect sense. I felt more sane, but until I started doing the work, and I don't know if it's, if it's like a psychological thing or what, but, you know, having that task to do and having to think about the questions and like just having that busy work took my mind off of my alcoholic and his problems and gave me something else to focus on. And so, you know, in the beginning, even if that's all I got out of it, at least I wasn't bothering him. You know, I wasn't nagging him about his stuff, but Eventually, the information started to sink in as I continued to do the step work, and so I was actually able to absorb uh, the information. So, um, so that's—I mean—that's what I continue to do as a sponsor. Um, I do give assignments. I ask them to do readings and answer a certain number of questions, and we discuss them. And then I allow the the sponsee to determine whether how they feel about that step after we've discussed it. Do they feel good enough about it that they're ready to move on to the next one, or do they want to stay here and learn a little bit more about it? But I will say something that um, you know, like Lynn said, it's it's definitely a twofold experience. I mean, I think I learn as much from my sponsees as, if not more, than what they're learning from me. And so I've definitely learned a lot about just personal interactions. You know, my default pre-program when someone called me with a question, when a friend called me the question, you know, my boyfriend is blah, 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 what do I do? I would, and this is definitely a family trait, because if you ever meet my dad and you ask him a question about anything, he will answer it. Even if it's not right, he'll come up with something that sounds totally logical and legitimate. And you just, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, cool. You know, so, so that was my default. If you're asking me a question, I'm just going to tell you like, okay, well, this seems like the logical thing to do. So do this, you know, and as a sponsor, I've really had to, um, 
not even scale back. I've had to totally eliminate that from my thought process because as as Lynn also mentioned, we do not give advice in this program. So it's it's not my job to tell somebody what to do. It's my job to help them learn and understand the tools so that they can make decisions that they feel good about. And um, it's definitely been a process of learning how to listen. It's definitely been a process of patience I have a lot of young sponsees in their 20s, and so I've learned a lot about letting go because a lot of them tend to make decisions that are typical of people in their 20s. And, you know, in my mind, sometimes I'm screaming, you know, <laughs> don't do it. But, you know, I can't. I can't do that. They, they, they can have the dignity of making their own decisions and learning from it. And so... So yeah, it's a lot about getting out of my own way and it's it's been extremely helpful for me. And you know, something else I learned too is that ev- everyone that I sponsor is different. I mean, they all have their own distinct personalities. And so I don't get to take the easy way out. I can't just like, you know, type up some sort of formatted process for working through the steps and hand it to each of them cuz they don't think the same way, they don't process the same way, they're not moving at the same pace. And so you know, it's it's really about taking the time to learn who they are as a person and, and kind of working with them. So, yeah. Okay. I, I really liked what you said as I was... Oh, well, one thing that I thought as I was listening to you was, oh, my God, I'm your father. But, <laughs> <laughs> because I totally, totally used to do that. I would just make something up. <laughs> I would make something up, and I would say it in this authoritative voice, and everybody would buy it. Right. And and occasionally people wouldn't buy it, and I would insist, no, I'm right, and you're wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, so for me, there's been some unlearning happening. And, you know, I had good teachers. And when I was not too old in the program, you know, maybe I'd been in here, been coming maybe three months, six months, I started helping out with the newcomers meeting. Because like you said, right, the, the person who's, you know, been here a couple of weeks has more knowledge than... Than, or more experienced than, and, and, uh, and there I was very conscious of, uh, if I told the story, it was my story. It was not, and, and not telling people what to do. And I remember, um, one person who became a dear friend in the program, uh, coming in and, and talking about her loved one and, uh, who I think might have been at that point her fiance. And, and in my head, I was screaming, you know, run away from this guy, <laughs> run away from this guy. But apparently it didn't show. Uh, we had a we had a good laugh about it later, several years later. <laughs> uh, I said I said yeah, you may have thought I was being um, supportive of your decision to stay with this guy, um, but that was not what was in my head. You know that was my experience was I stayed with my loved one and and uh, and she was like oh thank God they're not telling me to leave him, you know and and so she took what she needed to take and and I didn't inject myself into that so that was that you know but then when I got to be a sponsor it was a little harder to not go into this sort of uh, advice giving mode and and I, I still fall into it at times I'm I'm you know I can see over the last several years I think that I've definitely gone from well, maybe you, you know, might think about this too. Well, what do you think about, you know, this question? Have you considered, um, what is, what does the literature tell you in this situation, you know? But when somebody says, but what should I do? It's really, really hard for me not to. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I was in your situation, I might. 
you know, and, 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 and code it that way. And, and I mean, I don't know how effective that is in like making it not be advice, but, um, it's, it's tough for me. It's tough for me because, you know, that's, that's the way I grew up. And I've also really been working on the sort of focused listening because in the past, and I don't know how long ago, a few years ago, maybe somebody would call me and would say, Oh, this thing's going on. Da, 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 da. And, you know, they'd get part of their story out. And then I'd start like, you know, coming back with, well, this and that. And, and, uh, I think it was maybe a year, year and a half ago, uh, somebody called me and I was able to just listen through the whole story, which took 20, 25 minutes or something to get through the whole story before I said anything. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's progress. <laughs> and, uh, and I really feel like it, it makes it a m- more effective to, to really listen before I start coming back. But that's a skill that, that is taking work. It's taking work. I, I picked up a couple of my uh, early sponsees. One guy was, you know, going on and on in a meeting about how horrible everything was and this and that and the other thing. And, and, and I don't know, maybe we'd recently had uh, um, the reading about the tradition where it says, wouldn't it be horrible to go to a meeting where everybody does nothing but complain about their alcoholic. And, and, uh, and at the end of the meeting, I walked up to him and I said, hey, have you got a sponsor? And he said, no, you want to be one? Be mine. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> this, guy, um, this guy was frustrating. He was sometimes infuriating. And I learned a whole bunch from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, that was the thing. I, I learned so much from, from him because he really made me look at the program and think about, well, how, you know, what's going on here? What's, what, what is this step saying? to him in his situation, what might it be saying? And, and, you know, and then asking questions. Um, and, and we were working step three and, and, uh, there's this question in the book says, do I trust my higher power to take care of me? And, uh, he said, yeah, I do. Sure. You know, I already did that in the other program. And uh, I said, well, do you trust your higher power to take care of your loved one? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. then that's what you got to work on for step three here. And that was, you know, and that just sort of came out. I mean, I don't think I had really thought about it before, but I realized, you know, it, when I take step three, I can't just turn myself over because that's not my problem. I mean, that's part of my problem, but, <laughs> but I have to turn over everybody else in my life too. And I can't get through step three uh, without doing that. Uh, but it took working with this guy for me to see that. To really see that, and I've had that experience several times, where, where one of my sponsees is working through a difficulty they're having with the program, and suddenly I get an insight into maybe something that I did and didn't realize that I had done it, mm. um, and it, and it really has strengthened my program a lot. Go around one more time and see if you got any um, thing you want to add. There's a really good pamphlet about sponsorship in Al-Anon. Oh, so there is. You're if right. you're if you're looking for the conference-approved literature and what it has to say about it, mm-hmm. uh, pick it up on the table or talk to your literature representative and uh, dig in. It's it's a very basic uh, little pamphlet that gives you a lot of good direction about asking for a sponsor, uh, getting a sponsor, being a sponsee, being a sponsor, and so why not go to the conference-approved literature for more information. Great, great, like yes. 
Kelly? Um, not that I'm giving advice or anything, but um, if you don't have a sponsor, get one. And if you're not a sponsor, you can be one. Good now, suggestion, Kelly. And should be suggestion. one. Good suggestion. Good suggestion. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to wait till I get to step four, and then I'm going to yeah. find somebody mm-hmm. to be my sponsor. And and I think that comes from sometimes we say, we, we suggest, strongly suggest to people that they not try to work step four without a sponsor. Mm-hmm. And so... And and what they hear is, oh, I don't need one until I get to step four, and uh, and I don't think that's true. I really don't. I mean, uh, like I said, a, a couple of the people that I've worked with have really uh, had struggles with with the earlier steps. That I hope that me being there to you know bounce their thoughts off of and reflect them back has helped them with those struggles. And and if you're afraid, pick up a phone list and just start to make some phone calls just to practice. Asking for help. Because yeah. I think for all of us coming into the program, asking for help is not, a, not our strong suit. Helping others, we're great. Oh, yeah. We're great. We're great, whether you need it or not or ask for it or not. But, oh, yeah. uh, but asking for help ourselves is, uh, for many of us, a new behavior. And you got to practice it. And it's kind of like public speaking. You know, first time you break a sweat and you're cold yeah. and clammy. But you do it enough times and, and those responses go away. So practice with the telephone and then... Uh, build some courage up to ask somebody and you can always say will you be my temporary sponsor if you're worried about you know setting up something yeah. more permanent ask yeah. for a temporary sponsorship yeah. and if you like it say you know this is working really well will you maybe just be my permanent sponsor for now yeah. so permanent is uh f- you know today just for today just for today and and another suggestion on phone list that i've made to people is because for me picking up the phone and calling somebody sort of blind off the phone list is very difficult. It's just it's not something that's easy for me. And and but if I've I've talked to a person in a meeting, maybe spoken with them briefly after the meeting, and and I will say, can I call you sometime? And then they say yes because they almost always say yes. Um, you know, if their name's on the phone list, they really shouldn't be saying no. But um, <laughs> why are you on the phone list if you don't want anybody to call you? Uh, and and so then that gives me permission. It gives me implicit permission. But even now, there are times when I'm like, oh. I can't bother this person with, with my trivial problem. And remember, the person you call, if they're too busy, they either can choose not to pick up the phone or they can answer the phone and set up another time to speak with you because you're busy. So so we as people who receive phone calls, uh, we can set some very clear boundaries with that so that it, I know that's that's a learned skill for oh, many yeah. of us in Al-Anon, <laughs> but setting boundaries around the phone has been uh, my exercise in the last month. So I see. Okay. And I think a lot of us will say, too, that when you call us, it helps us just as much as it helps you. For sure. So we appreciate the calls more than you think we do. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for everybody. Um, and uh, we're going to close with uh, the uh, today's reminder section from the reading I read earlier. Being a sponsor is as much a commitment to myself as it is to someone else. It is not a favor. Sponsorship gives me a chance to share intimately, to care, to practice detaching with love, and to apply the Al-Anon principles more consciously than ever. And if I listen to my own words, I find that I usually tell those whom I sponsor exactly what I myself need to hear. After a short break, we'll be back with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Our music for the break is Bill Withers singing Lean On Me. You probably have heard this song before, maybe a zillion times. 
It's, you know, it's a great sentiment. It is a little bit codependent, but it points out that in this program, we do lean on each other, that we don't have to do it alone, and that we can be there for each other. And that's what uh, one of the things that a sponsor, uh, sponsorship relationship provides. What's happening in our meetings and our lives this week? And, and I'll start here. The, on Wednesday, um, I went to an open AA meeting instead of my usual Al-Anon meeting. Uh, a friend of mine had invited me to go. And then I realized that I had been out of town over the weekend, bringing my daughter home from college, and so I hadn't gotten to a meeting in, in a while, and maybe I really should have gone to an Al-Anon meeting. But, you know, I'd made a commitment, so I, I, I did it. It was an interesting meeting. It was a big, big book study meeting um, with an ask it basket, where, you know, at the beginning of the meeting, one one person talked about uh, some uh, text out of the big book, and and this week it was the three paragraphs in the big book on step six and seven. And then they take a break, and people can put questions in the basket. And then the the second part of the meeting is they pull the questions out, and and then anybody in the meeting can address the question. And so there was some interesting discussion. It was this whole discussion about sort of, you know, belief in God. And one of the guys uh, said, you know, it's just amazing to me. I can, I can come to a meeting and we can spend this time sort of debating the existence of God. It's just, that it really blows me away. I've never, you know, that w- I never would have done that earlier in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was kind of, it was kind of fun, but I'll be happy to get back to my Al-Anon meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Thursday this week, this is sort of the big event in my, in my uh, life this week. Uh, a friend of mine uh, passed away suddenly uh, in an automobile accident a week ago. And on Thursday, I went to um, his memorial service, which for me is is usually a good thing because, um, you know, I get to hear the way in which 
this person's life touched a lot of other people in their lives and to to remember the the good things about him rather than to be stuck on the the fact of his death and there were a couple things that were said uh, there that really really struck me um, one of one of his uh, sisters when she spoke she said at the be- at, right at the beginning she said my teacher told me that I should be where my feet are. She said, so let's all put our feet on the floor and just take a few breaths. She said, I'm the breather in the family. <laughs> and that really struck me because I spend so much of my time not being where my feet are. I spend time in the past. I spend time in the future. I spend you know, time wondering what other people are doing, if they're doing it right, and so on and so forth. And, and so that reminder of just being present, just being where my feet are, is a, is a good one. And, and it's, I'm trying to practice that a little bit more in my life. I mean, it's, it's something that I've been trying to do more and more as I've been in the program, but uh, that was a really good mm-hmm. reminder. The other thing wasn't, wasn't really something that was said, but it was just the, that we don't know. We never know what's happening, what's going to happen. And so as I walked out of there, I took out my phone and I just started calling all the people in my life that were important to me and just letting them know, you know, calling my family and telling them I loved them and, and, you know, calling people in the program and saying, I'm really glad you're here. You know, you've made a big difference in my program. And, and that's another thing that I feel like I'm going to try to carry forward is, is when I appreciate something somebody does, when I have gratitude for something, just say it. Uh, you know what's wrong with that? What's wrong with just saying it? And I'm still I'm still kind of processing the whole thing because it just was a shock to me. Uh, he was also my doctor. I was scheduled to have my annual physical Monday morning at eight fifteen, and I rescheduled it because I realized I was going to be out of town all weekend, getting home late. I mean, we got home at one thirty in the morning after driving my daughter home from college, and and I just wanted didn't want to be getting in late and then getting up early and going to a physical. And again, you know, there's gratitude there because if I had walked in Monday morning at 8 o'clock to have them tell me, well, we're sorry, you can't have your physical because your doctor was killed over the weekend, I don't know how I would have handled that. As it was, I got to find out in a little less intrusive way, a little less shocking way. I mean, it was Facebook, but, um, (laughs) you know. At least I, I was I was not having an expectation of anything at that point, and and I was able to just sit and process that that occurrence. So anyway, that's that's um, that's been my week. Uh, and uh, how about you, Kelly? Um, Wednesday, I went to a meeting, and the topic was on keeping it simple. And it was a really great meeting. I know the the speaker. It was the first time that he had given a lead in that meeting, and I know he was a little bit nervous about it, but he did a really, really great job. It was There was a lot to um, come away from that meeting with, so it was a great reminder, keeping it simple. Um, Also went to a meeting Friday, and there we did a daily reader on trusting your higher power's will and which also kind of segued into some conversation about trying to determine what's your will and what's your higher power's will. So that was some great conversation too. And um, I know, uh, Spencer, you'd be proud that I, I had things to share, I just didn't share. So progress, not perfection. Progress. 
Um, and then I also went to an open talk last night, which was hilarious and uh, met up with a couple other couples from the program for dinner before the meeting. And we had this amazing uh, Chinese buffet. It wasn't actually a Chinese buffet, but we just leave the ordering in charge. We leave one person in charge of the ordering because he knows what he's doing and he just picks all this amazing stuff that I would never on my own try. Um, so we had an amazing dinner and then we went to to a meeting and the speaker was was really good. So felt good. It's It's been a while since I've had my three consistent meetings a week, so it felt good to get back on track with that. So that's all I have. What about you, Lynn? Well, I followed you around, Kelly. I went to the Wednesday meeting, the Friday <laughs> meeting, out for dinner and to the meeting last night. <laughs> so you've covered those pretty well. <laughs> but I, I would say that... Uh, that I had um, a nice little awakening uh, about applying uh, the whole piece about boundaries in the last week, week and a half. I've had a lot of practice. Uh, we we have a family member who is now living in a memory care facility, and uh, and that entire experience was a great opportunity to work my program. Uh, lots and lots of phone calls from from the new environment, and I just couldn't figure out what to do about that. And spoke with a, a friend who's very program savvy, who said, "Well, maybe you need some boundaries with your phone, and how might you do that?" And we sort of negotiated the idea of asking uh, folks to call at four o'clock every day instead of all times of day, and and that has worked, and everything has settled down. Uh, it was just such a simple boundary to set. Mm. I just didn't realize I didn't have any until it was pointed <laughs> out. Uh, so 20, 23 years in recovery, a lot of experience uh, setting boundaries, but this was just a new one. This was just a new kind of boundary to set. And I was really grateful to be able to go back to the program and back to what I'd learned in the program to uh, get a fairly simple solution to what seemed like a really huge, complicated problem. Um, and on top of that, I, I kicked up my program a bit, you know, I made sure I texted my sponsor every day and she, uh, knows that I've been sort of working through this, this boundary work and, uh, and, uh, getting back to a somewhat normal day. And in addition to that, kicked up my meetings a bit, my phone calls a bit. And that, that always, that always works, you know, no matter how challenging a day is, I always have program tools and I can use them at any time, whether it's a pause to pray and meditate or picking up the phone and making a call or texting my sponsor or picking up the literature or just getting quiet for a minute. Uh, there's always something that I can do. And with enough practice, uh, I did reach a point and I'm at the point in my program where I do remember that when things get tough or challenging, I do take pause and say, okay, like which tool am I going to use? Cause I can't control their actions. I can't control anything but my own actions and my attitudes. So what do I need to do right now to take care of myself? So this whole business of self-care uh, and using the program tools has been really, really important in the last three, four weeks. Not that it isn't important other times, but this has been a special situation um, and a challenging situation. I'm just very grateful. I'm grateful for being able to be of service in that situation while working hard to keep my codependency in check and my my own character defects, uh, you know, paying attention to those, and uh, when they creep up, because I think they creep up the most when I'm in new situations, and don't 
really have immediate answers. Uh, so, you know, thank you to my sponsor. Thank you to the people in this community. I, I, I do want to sort of reinforce what you said about going to dinner and letting somebody order the food and, and the experience of being uh, at dinner with a bunch of people in the program. That's something we do pretty often. And at the front end of being in Al-Anon, I used to resent it. Like I was getting this whole new set of friends and, and what about my other friends and how do I talk to them? And, you know, just over time, the program and the community, which here in Ann Arbor is a very strong community, have just become my friends and my community. And I'm so grateful for the time we spend laughing and just being honest with ourselves uh, and uh, supporting one another and enjoying each other's company. And I've had uh, a lot of that this week, and it's been very, very healing. Hmm. Thanks, Lynn. Our topic next week, uh, we'll be talking about our first meeting or your first meeting. We welcome your thoughts. Uh, you can join the conversation. Please leave us a voicemail or send an email and think about these questions and, and maybe, um, you know, tell us, what was your first meeting like for you? Do you remember your first meeting? Did Al-Anon click right away or did it take a while before, uh, before you said, yeah, okay, this is going to work for me? And when did you feel that you really belonged in the program? You know, those are some things you might think about and, and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'd love to include your experience in next week's podcast, which we'll be recording on Sunday, June 2nd. So, Kelly, how can people send us feedback? Well, they can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Just put the podcast on pause and join the conversation at 734 734- Seven zero seven eight seven nine five. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send an email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. And we do love to hear from you guys. Um, we want you to share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of sponsorship, or next week's topic of your first meeting. And also, if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about that we haven't covered yet, please let us know that too. Lynn, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? So to find out more about The Recovery Show, we have our website, therecoveryshow.com, which has all the information about the show, including notes uh, for each of the episodes, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and even a page to which we periodically post recordings of Alan and Open Talk speakers. We also have a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. Another way to contribute to the content of the podcast is to leave comments on the show notes or on the blog. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. Thanks, Lynn. And we'd also like to thank uh, Powerless in SF and Lil Texan Gal for a couple of five-star reviews on iTunes. If you can, we'd appreciate uh, you go over and give us a good rating on iTunes because it helps make the podcast easier for those in need to find. Uh, Powerless wrote, uh, Kelly, you want to read that for us? Sure. She says, after 10 years of sobriety, I realized that my addiction to alcohol had transferred to an addiction to control, and I dare say drama. My life once again became unmanageable, and something needed to change. I knew that Al-Anon or ACA was the place for me, but it's very difficult for me to make it to meetings because I'm a small business owner and mom of two young children. I needed another solution, something that I could do while getting ready in the morning, driving to or from work in the evenings, or when the kids are finally down for the night. I'm so grateful to Spencer, Kelly, and Swetha for putting this amazing podcast together and that I happened to find it on iTunes. Listening to the podcast is almost as good as the real thing. 
You know, the kind of meeting you leave thinking, wow, that was a great meeting. Spencer, Kelly, and Swetha are smart, honest, funny, insightful, and down to earth. The guest hosts have been great as well, the female, Nick, being one of my favorites so far from the shame episode. I feel like these people would be great friends, and I wish I lived in the Ann Arbor area and could meet them. Thanks so much, guys. You have helped me tremendously. I don't feel so isolated or so crazy having you with me, and I imagine you're doing the same for many others. Thank you for your service. And and thank you. Um, and, you know, there are um, some online meetings uh, that you might check out, uh, and I don't know. We need to get some links up there about online meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a website that we link to uh, called In the Rooms, and they have a weekly online meeting. Um, it's at 9 p.m. Eastern time, so I guess if you're in California, that might not be convenient for you. Um, but there are other online meetings. You might check into those at, at, in terms of being able to find something that fits your schedule or that you can do from home. Uh, Carla, who's emailed us uh, in the past, sent us another note recently. Lynn, could you read this? Hello, all family of choice. Thank you for keeping up your service work with the podcast. Just reminding you that you are doing a great job and it is so helpful to be able to listen to you at any time. Truly reminded that, quote, I am not alone anymore, end quote. I would love to share soon with you all where I have been the last couple of weeks, second guessing and feeling uncomfortable with my recovery. There is a lot in the literature about the uncomfortable feelings that can come up when starting recovery. I read through one of my favorite Al-Anon blogs and our fellow members shared beautifully on step five. I want to share that with you. Also, check out her side note that echoes the last few days meditations on our The Recovery Show website. And uh, here's the quote, something to think about. If a problem is fixable, if a situation is such that you can do something about it, then there's no need to worry. If it's not fixable, then there is no help in worrying. There is no benefit in worrying whatsoever. And that quote is from the Dalai Lama. Peace and hugs. Mm. Sincerely, Carla B. Right. And so um, Carla linked us over to a blog called the Elanon Journal, which I, I started to read it. And I'm like, oh, this is great. I really like what this person has to say. And so um, we now have a link to that, that blog on our, on our website at therecoveryshow.com. And uh, she's referring to, uh, there was a couple days in a row where I think Swetha posted a meditation about not worrying, and I posted a meditation about not worrying that sort of <laughs> said, you know, something very similar to this Dalai Lama quote, and sort of the interesting synchronicity there, that, you know, three different people uh, had the same kind of thought at the same time. You know, there are no coincidences, maybe. Spooky. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have some expenses, and they're running about $30 a month. And we're happy to do that, I will say. We're happy to do that. But um, if you if you can um, help to support us and help keep us on the web and in your ear and in the ear of, of other people looking for help, we have a couple ways um, that you can do that. One is you can make a direct donation with our donation basket button, which is on the website. And uh, we'd really appreciate it if you do. And if you do, you know, then you end up being a sponsor for one of our episodes. And that's, you know, so you get your name out there. If you don't want your name out there, tell me. And, I, and we won't. And uh, we've also put together a list of recovery-related books, and we're always looking for, you know, suggestions to add to that list. Certainly, this is just ones that, that you know, we have found helpful or informative. Uh, there's a books link at the top of the page on the website, and if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, then we get a small commission from Amazon. costs you nothing. And uh, so if, you, if you're able to help support us, we really appreciate it. And if you're not, we're still here for you. So, uh, Kelly, you want to uh, take us out with a song? 
Yeah, our second musical selection today is a song called I Walk Beside You by a band called Dream Theater. And when I stumbled on this, um, kind of took me back. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I had a friend who was really into guitar, and he, he actually is in a, a band right now traveling the world. But um, he introduced me to this band, and I have not heard anything from them in a long time. So I have no idea if this song is recent or old. I don't know. I'm, I wasn't super familiar with it, but... Um, Part of the lyrics say, summon up your ghost for me, rest your tired thoughts upon my hands, step inside the sacred place when all your dreams seem broken. And I just thought it was pretty fitting for the sponsorship episode. So enjoy. for listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you are facing today feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode may understanding love and peace growing you one day at a time <laughs>